0: Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace and peace to you this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. So this weekend we celebrate our nation's independence. On July 4th, 1776, the Declaration of Independence was signed signaling our intent to the English king, King George III, and to Parliament that the 13 colonies established in the New World would no longer be ruled by their subjection or by their overreach and heavy taxation, and especially, and most importantly, the lack of representation for the colonies in parliament as to rule and law. This became the battle cry of no representation, excuse me, no taxation without representation. Even though the rebellion against the English had been going on for some times, on that day 244 years ago, important words were written on a document Words that once ratified by 56 signatures led to the formation of our great country. That formation came at a cost, and it still has a cost today. July 4th, our Independence Day holiday, is by and large a day to celebrate summer and the many good things that come with it, like hot dogs and fireworks and maybe some time with family or getting away or watching a baseball game. But it is in the guiding ideology of that document that we still celebrate the doctrinal unity of what it means to be American. And I want to thank all of you that have served in our military or are serving now, our police officers and our public officials, those that protect, serve, and defend this ideology, even for those who do not understand it. I also want to thank those that have given voice in our great history and in our current times when the balances of our democracy have fallen out of line or out of balance and they have become racial, prejudicial, discriminatory or oppressive. The core of the Declaration of Independence is known in these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The declaration goes on to tell what must and will happen, but most specifically that all people who live under the jurisdiction of this document have the right to stand on what they believe to be right and true. Words are important, and these words created a nation. But I will contend that when we hear these words spoken aloud, especially in our current culture or political climate, not everybody hears them the same. Because while God did create all of humankind in his image, as we hear from the book of Genesis, we are not exact clones of each other. We each possess our own minds and our own spirits as God has given and willed. And even more, we have our own experiences and realities which we live in each and every day, making the voice of each and every person unique. No one is exactly like another. Thank God. However, this also creates some of the struggle and the burden that we know that it is to live as a people in our nation. The democracy that we know in the United States is not black and white meaning we must resolve ourselves to living in the gray areas. Now, I recognize that I have to be careful in that statement because the United States is the melting pot of cultures and traditions, and let's not forget religious freedoms. But this does not mean that to live here, we have to erase our culture and our heritage and our tradition. It also does not mean that there's not only One path for all that is comprehensively right for everyone. This is what makes our nation great. Clinging to our individual heritage is what makes us great. Looking at the diversity with which God created us is an amazing gift, and it's what makes us great. These things are not things to be exploited or to cause civil discord. Working to resolve those systems which continue to divide us is what makes us great. Us becoming less dismissive, less divided, stopping to listen to the other makes us great. Now there's no denying that living together in this way creates great challenges for us. But it is what we are called to do and it is what we defend as citizens of this country. It took another 12 years after the Declaration of Independence before the Constitution was ratified, and that document has undergone 27 amendments in its 232 year history. The Constitution is the guiding principle of our lives as Americans. It ensures that every person has a voice and a representation. This document speaks of an ideology that points the concept of freedom is the preamble of the constitution says this we the people of the united states in order to form a more perfect union establish justice ensure domestic tranquility provide for the common defense promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity do ordain and establish this constitution for the united states of america the preamble Words set a framework of knowing that we will have to work hard at what this means if we hope to live in the country that we long for, knowing that it will take work and that at times we will need to step aside and shut our mouths and open our ears and listen to someone else for just a little bit to understand what is really going on around us. But I would also contend that we struggle with what the term freedom even means. Because I know it has different meanings for different people. Freedom is a hard concept. And even harder to agree on exactly what it means. When I ask our teenage confirmans what it means to be free, I often hear responses like, well, I get to do what I want, or you don't have to tell me what I have to do anymore. Did I say that was a teenager's response? I just want to make sure. When I looked up the definition of freedom in Webster's Dictionary, it gave me 11 different citations. Things like the quality or state of being free, the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action, liberation from slavery, the quality or state of being exempt or released from something onerous, Unrestricted use. Ease and facility. The quality of being frank, open, or outspoken. Improper familiarity. Boldness of conception or execution. A political right. A privilege. It would seem that there are many ways of trying to understand the concept of freedom. Because freedom is hard. In our text for this week, St. Paul speaks in our second reading from Romans on what it means to live a divided life. Paul pushes into the understanding that we that confess the name of Jesus Christ live subject to the law of God while equally living subject to sin. Paul describes this tension that we have with knowing the law of God, which Martin Luther called the most salutary doctrine of life, that is, giving us the most benefit, which stands in contrast to our own sinful existence. Paul writes, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Paul seems to have a firm grasp on the reality that we have no free will, especially in matters of salvation. And we will always struggle outside of God's grace and his mercy. This is exactly where we get the understanding that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves, what we confess every time we come to worship. But there is another way to understand this divided life that we live. Those that have been baptized into Christ Jesus live with one foot in God's heavenly realm, knowing God's goodness in his grace and his mercy, and yet still subject to our existence in this earthly realm, where we are still under the effect of human sin and human desires. Friends and hearers of God's word, the point I'm trying to make today is that while we profess living in the principles of freedom, we are not truly free. We are still subject to one another and the brokenness of the human condition and the brokenness of the human relationship with God. This is the burden of our humanness. That even as much as we want to defend each other or stand for the rights of another or even look at each other in the best possible light, we don't do this. This is never more known than how we vote. When we step into that voting booth, neighbor be damned, I'm voting for what's right for me and best for my life, right? Think about that. No, we are enslaved still to our own desires. We are bound to our sinfulness, actually. Jesus Christ begins our gospel text today with these words, But to what will I compare this generation? I feel like these words are a rebuke and a commentary on our world today. I cannot even imagine what God must feel as he sees people who profess believing in him and yet treat each other the way that we do. What we selfishly seek only for ourselves, and we look at someone that sounds different or looks different than us, and we see them or think of them as less than, that they don't have a voice. Because Christ's words for us this day speak from a posture of knowing, knowing that he has come into the world to take away the sins of the world, dying for them, removing the effect they have on you and your life, to grant you rest, to grant you peace, but yet you keep stealing them back. We cling to our sinfulness as if it's the most valuable thing in our lives. Because it is often the very thing that the devil makes you think is your identity. The devil knows that you live a divided life And he is using all of his strength and all that he has to keep you under his thumb and keep you divided and separated from God. He does not want you to know true freedom. So he keeps putting things between us like skin color or socioeconomic status. Yes, even our religious confessions. He wants to keep us divided because a divided house cannot stand. but Jesus extends an invitation to you. He says, you that are weary and heavy burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus Christ grants you the very thing that you seek and that is true freedom. Freedom that comes not because people sign a document, but because he gave you a promise and then died for it promise that cannot be amended and yet still comes in powerful and simple words and those words are you are forgiven you are forgiven for all of the ways that you have not trusted god for all of the ways that you have separated yourself from god for all of the ways that you have looked on or treated your neighbor and for all the ways that you have even stolen your sin back from jesus christ Quit it. Quit stealing it back. Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who will rescue me? Jesus Christ has done this. Because Christ has taken your sins once and for all. Anything you have done, are doing, or will do. He says, nope, not yours any longer. Quit taking them back. And with that promise, he does not enslave you to prove your worth. He does not demand more from you. He does not yoke you to your own death because of sin. No, he says, Forgiven. And what this means now is that you are free, truly free. Free from sin, free from the accusation of sin, free from death and the devil. God says you are mine, each of you, because my Son has revealed me to you. And eternal life is yours now to know. When you live daily in the freedom of Christ's promises, this is the only life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that you can truly ever know. And it can never be taken from you. Thanks be to God. Amen.